Hey folks, Brian here. I want to thank each and every one of you who has been listening to Confessions of an Arcade Addict, and I want to ask that if you haven't done so already, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to it. That helps other people find the podcast. I do have other things coming up, uh, various trips to arcades around the area, and things of that nature, and of course I'm going to try and go back to Chicago in 2022, and with your help, I can actually do it. So please, like, rate, review, and subscribe, and if you're able to, and you're inclined to do so, please contribute to the podcast in any way that you can. Uh, the easiest way is to go to anchor.fm slash coaa slash donate. I think that's the link. So if you could help me out, I would much appreciate it. And that keeps me motivated to keep this podcast rolling past 100 episodes. I do have plans to do that. So let's see what we can do later. Before I get into everything that I've got going on here, I want to take a moment and I want to thank all you listeners. Um, If it wasn't for you guys, you know, uh, following and liking the show and things like that, I don't think I would have made it to 50 episodes. Um, You know, I'm humbled and I am pleased and I am grateful that you guys are taking the ride along with me. You know, as I have gone back into my past and uh, brought you up to the present day and the things I'm doing now. I mean, without you guys listening and, you know, show at least showing, you know, that you really like the show, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram, especially, you know, I probably wouldn't have continued it. Um, as I said, I have rough plans for 100 episodes and we'll see where it goes from there um but yeah you know you guys have really responded when i've asked you guys to you know like rate review and subscribe tell a friend all that stuff and like i said sometime either in 2022 or maybe next year i'm going to start streaming and i'm going to start streaming arcade games computer games um console games pretty much everything that i have that i'm able to put in a streaming uh venue um i do follow several people on twitch who have 
who do the same things and you know as long as you get your you know as long as you are consistent you know you, and people will find you and people will like you if you you know if you're you know about your business so to speak so yeah um once again thank you very much for all of your support I me mean, especially for um Benjamin and Kevin who actually contribute to the show directly um as a matter of fact you guys uh what you contribute I basically hold on to until I'm about to take uh a major trip somewhere um like when I went to Chicago uh I took you know basically took the money you guys donated through Anchor and it was a direct contribution to um what was going what I've been relating over the last three episodes. So, and this one is no different. Um, this is part four of the Chicago trip. Um, after this, episode 51 is part five, the last part. So, um, let's see. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, not too much going on. Um, I did go to, for those who paid attention on uh, Facebook and Instagram, um, I did go out to Retro Electric Arcade in Lowell last week. That was a really, really nice trip. Uh, great place. Um, they've only been really open for business for three weeks, or three weeks when I was there. It's now four. Um, the owner, Carl, and his wife um, are really good people. And uh, after I got done playing and I was about to get out of there, um, Carl and I struck up a conversation that went for 45 minutes and, you know, Carl is, you know, um, just as much of a video game enthusiast as I am. And, you know, he's got plans to, you know, could, you know, further plans for retro electric. And I'm probably going to go out there again, maybe in a, sometime over the summer I think probably late spring early summer because I do have a couple of trips planned uh, that have nothing to do with this show um, I'm planning on going back to visit family in Connecticut uh, sometime in middle to late spring probably May or early June somewhere in there and after that I don't think I'll be going much of anywhere until I go back to Chicago probably in late August, early September, somewhere around there. Although this time I'm not going to, lesson learned, I'm not going to, you know, base this trip around a uh, national holiday. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the traffic was really bad. That put me on the back foot, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, that's what I have planned, what I have planned in the immediate future. Um like I said, I've been working, you know, doing the same thing. I had a shift at the arcade last night. It was fairly quiet compared to the last two weeks. Um, but, you know, it's going to come and go, I think. You know, it's really not going to get back to what it was until, you know, this pandemic has been, you know, stomped out once and for all, if that ever happens. But we'll see. You know, I'm trying not to be pessimistic, but it's like, you know, I see what I see what's going on when I choose to look and the what I see is not encouraging, but I'm going to leave it at that. Um, let's see what else is going on. Uh, been playing Battletech, been playing New World. Um, 
I downloaded a couple of games off of Steam. Uh, I you know I'm I know I'm late to the party, but I got Enter the Gungeon, which is an interesting shooter. Uh, pretty different from what I've been playing lately. Uh, Nova Drift got a major update called uh, Enemies 2.0. I've been seeing uh, the early releases on uh, YouTube. There are a couple of people who have been who are really good Nova Drift players who are experimenting with builds and things like that. Um, I also got like this uh, side-scrolling shooter called Operation Steel. Uh, it's only in demo mode. I think the game gets released on the 29th. I'm probably going to buy it, you know, because it's, I like it. I like it well enough. So, yeah, I'm probably going to do that. Uh, let's see. You know, aside from that, just the usual things. Nothing too crazy. Um, so, let's go on to our voicemail. I have another voicemail from Mike Stewart. And let me get it queued up here. And we'll play it for you right now. Hey, Brian, it's DM Mike again. Um, again, apologies if you've covered this and I missed the episode like I did the Gorf episode on number 40, which I went back and listened to. Pretty cool, by the way. Anyway, um, one game that I don't have, haven't heard you cover, and it's an Activision game that I remember playing on, I can't remember if it was the Atari or the ColecoVision. It may have been the Coleco with the Atari adapter I had. Anyway, it was called Mega Mania. And I always had a lot of fun with that game and was just con- interested in your thoughts on on the game, how it played. Did you ever have it? Do you even know what I'm talking about? So on and so forth. Anyway, hope things are well. Bye. Thanks for your voicemail, Mike. Uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with Mega Mania. Um, I remember my earliest memories of it were, uh, I'd probably say when it first came out, I was read to, this is back when the video connection had been in existence maybe for about six months, maybe, something like that. And, you know, they had uh, a space on the left when you walked into the storefront uh, where all the uh, Atari 2600 games were. They had ColecoVision games in a cabinet under lock and key and television games in the same uh, cabinet on the uh, far side. So all the Atari 2600 games were in boxes. You know, of course, the cartridges were removed. I think the cartridges were in the... They might have been in that uh, case as well, but I can't remember. I think they were. So, uh, yeah, I would rent Mega Mania several times from the video connection. And I would play it and... You know, I looked it up on Wikipedia, so I think I'll give this game the uh, time for some strategy and uh, are you experienced treatment. So, yeah, I will. T- I'll do. Th- I'll put that in the list too. As a matter of fact, I'll do it right now. Okay, with that done, you know. So yeah, I will definitely cover Mega Mania in a future uh, Are You Experienced, and I'll give it the time for some strategy treatment because. I am more than familiar with it when I actually get to doing it. I think you'll enjoy it, Mike. And I think you guys will, too. So, like Mike, if you want to drop an email or, you know, a voicemail, say you want, there's a game that you like, that you want me to give the Time for Some Strategy slash Are You Experienced Treatment, 
uh, hey, drop me a line. Arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com. Also, there is a phone number for voicemails. That number is 734-743-2433. Also, I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. On Facebook, just search for Confessions of an Arcade Addict. It'll take you right to the page. Um, If you do a search for Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast, that will take you to the discussion group that I have there. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to post another question tonight. I think it's been long enough. Uh, Let's see. On uh, Instagram, I am Arcade Addict Brian. On uh, Twitter, I am Arcade Addict underscore B. And Tumblr is tumblr.com slash blog slash Confessions of an Arcade Addict. So there you go. Multiple ways of getting hold of the show. And if you've got questions, thoughts, comments, uh, any games that you want me to cover, just, hey, get a hold of me and I'll get right on that. Okay, so with all of that out of the way, let's get on to the show. I've got quite a bit to talk about here and not a lot of time to do it, so let's get right to it. Story time. Bodies are given life from the midst of nothingness. Existing where there is nothing is the meaning of the phrase, form is emptiness. That all things are provided for by nothingness is the meaning of the phrase, emptiness is form. One should not think that these are two separate things. Story time. Day three. A flop of a day saved by the underground. Okay. Uh, when I woke up Sunday morning, uh, just like the previous day, I decided to take it easy, so I lounged around and took my time. Uh, I drove to a local supermarket to get some things and to fuel up the car before getting my day started in earnest. Uh, after performing the morning's ablutions, I moseyed on out, looking forward to the stops I had planned near downtown Chicago today. I had first started off trying to get a haircut at the local Lady Jane's, but I was told they were operating only by appointment and there would be a two-hour wait. That wasn't going to work for me, so I just took off. Rather than getting on Interstate 94 and heading into downtown, I decided to take the surface roads uh, into Chicago, so it took a little longer, but that was fine because I wasn't in any major rush. And it was nice to drive through the various neighborhoods while seeing the f- famous Chicago skyline growing in the distance. Okay, uh, I got I got to Chicago Game Space. I started off my run there, and it didn't start off great. It was a major disappointment. Um, I thought there would be more to this place, but there simply wasn't. It was just a two-floor building with Pac-Man and Space Evader machines on the ground floor, Mortal Kombat 2 and NBA Jam on the second floor, along with some other things. I think the proprietor was going for the historical or art gallery route, but it was rather just jointed. Uh, The historical items and displays, while they were factual, they were all over the map in regard to periods in gaming history. I think I spent about 30 to 45 minutes here before just ejecting myself out of there and heading over to the Emporium at Fulton Market. In retrospect, I probably should have gone to the Wicker Park location. While the Fulton Market location was alright, it just was uninspiring. I was there maybe 10 minutes before I bailed out. Um, There was just a generic feel to the place, and that was just not what I was looking for. Um, So I walked around the district for a while, 
got lunch at Soul and Smoke in the timeout market and just sort of relaxed and kind of, you know, just moved with the crowd, so to speak. Um, there were a lot of people out and about that day, which was to be expected. It was a beautiful late summer day in Chicago, and there was just something magical to me about being in the third largest city in the United States. Being a city kid born and raised, there's a sound, feel, and rhythm to a city, even on a Sunday afternoon, and I could feel that the moment I stepped out of my car. Uh, but even that couldn't totally mask the disappointment the day brought so far. So I got back in my car after a while, and I tried to find the high point game room, but I couldn't. Um, by this point, I was feeling really tired for some reason. I'm not exactly sure. So I decided to go back to my hotel room and take a nap before going to the underground retrocade. And the drive back was a little bit of a challenge because I was so tired. I was trying not to nod off while I made the commute back to my hotel. That was a little dangerous. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, three hours later, and feeling a whole lot better, I left my hotel and headed west along I-90, then got off at an exit and made my way over to Underground Retrocade. I can tell you in all honesty, I was so glad I came here. It was just what I was looking for. It's in the middle of West Dundee, right on the corner in the, on the main drag. Uh, the games were awesome, including some I had not seen in 30 to 40 years, like Atari football and baseball. I was blown away by the fact that they had a Turbo and Monaco GP environmental cabinets sitting next to each other, and I was so tickled by that that I had to take a video and post it on Instagram, which I did. <laughs> it's still there. Um, until I got in my rental car and left my hotel in the early evening, I considered Sunday a fail. Uh, nothing panned out the way I had hoped until I walked in the door at Retrocade. Uh, I believe I was gushing about this place when I was recording my show notes, so I might have to do some editing just to avoid embarrassing myself. You know, But yeah, I had that much fun at uh, Underground Retrocade. As a matter of fact, I had to uh, append my notes uh, in my review about uh underground but we will get there that will be in uh, episode 51 so for right now that's uh story time so let's turn right around and go into arcade rundown good morning mr phelps your mission jim should you decide to accept it is to make stefan believe thompson's information as always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This state will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. Arcade Rundown. Emporium Barcade, Logan Square, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, after the positive experience that was my time at Logan Arcade, I was really looking forward to seeing Emporium. After reluctantly leaving and getting in my car, I started making my way there on the streets. Thankfully, Google Maps did not do me wrong, and I got there in good order, although traffic on the street was fairly heavy heading there. Uh, as you heard from the On the Road segment in episode 48, I was pretty disappointed by this place, but after taking some time to actually think about it, I realized that I went there on the wrong night. Uh, I arrived feeling pretty good about things after my experience at Logan, 
and though it took me a little time to find a decent parking spot along the street, and I walked up about three blocks to the entrance. After showing my Vax card, I entered the place, and it was packed. Uh, I think this was the first time, or maybe the first or second week, they opened back up after being shut down due to uh, pandemic restrictions. So, if that was the case, it you know it was kind of didn't matter because people were out in droves. I mean, there were a lot of people at the entrance, you know, trying to get in. Um, a lot of people were being turned away because they didn't have a vax card, you know, and things like that. So, you know, uh, once I got in there, um, I started making my way through the place, but it took a long time because it was so packed with people. Um, so I started walking, walking through the place and checking out what kind of machines they had. And then I realized after, <laughs> after wasting about 75 cents that I remembered that Underground Retrocade ran on tokens. <laughs> Silly me. Um, so I had to make my way back up to the front where the, the uh, change machine was. And I went and got some tokens and then I went back and played some machines. Uh, I played Star Wars, Defender, and Spy Hunter while I was there. Um, there was a DJ spinning tunes uh, on the adjacent main floor where a lot of people were dancing. And I can say that in all honesty, the music was way too loud. Um, don't get me wrong. I am no stranger to loud music at all. I'm a metalhead who got his start in the early 1980s. And I always play my music loud when I can get away with it. But yeah, the music was way loud. I mean, I think I said so in my um, On the Road segment. I think my ears were ringing when I left the place. Um, let's see. You know, I think they were trying to get the people loosened up by playing the music that loud. And from what I remember, it was working because the young crowd was blowing off some serious steam. But I would think that the DJ and the ownership would know that it's more about what you play than how loud it is but that could be be me showing my age <laughs> for sure um at any rate the games were halfway decent though few needed maintenance um i did keep one of the tokens as a souvenir and i left a stack of them on a counter between a couple of machines before i made my exit uh second clues the music was too loud there it is that my ears were ringing as i walked back to my car uh, I almost called it a night right there, but I stuck to my guns and made my way over to Replay Barcade, which was only about 10 minutes away. And that was the rundown for, uh, for uh, Emporium. It took me a minute to realize it that, yeah, I think that was like the first or second Saturday night that Emporium had opened back up. And yeah, <laughs> the place was absolutely packed with people. Okay, so anyway... Um, that's, uh, Arcade Rundown, so let's go right into Are You Experienced? I'm too old for this. Hiding in front seats like a teenager. Oh, but I think I'm getting too old for this stuff. I'm getting too old for this. Listen, you was born too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. Lying wet arsed in the heather chasing other men's cattle. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. Maybe you're getting too old for this. What do you think, huh? I'm not too old for this shit. I'm not too old for this shit. You will not. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. Say like you believe. We're not too old for this shit. Yeah. We're not too old for this shit. I'm not gonna buy a hemorrhoid cookie. We're not too old for this shit. Are you experienced? Hard driving. <laughs> this one. 
Oh yeah, this was a driving game of a brand new order back in uh, the early 90s. So, or excuse me, not early 90s, late late 80s. It came out in 89. Um, but yeah, um, it was it was very, very different. But I'll get to my personal thoughts on it after I give you some information. Once again, this is from Wikipedia. Hard Driving is a 1989 driving video game developed by Atari Games. It invites the players to test drive a sports car on courses that emphasize stunts and speed. The game features one of the first 3D polygon driving environments via a simulator cabinet with a force feedback steering wheel and using a custom rendering architecture. According to in-game credit screen, Hard Driving was designed by two teams working concurrently in the United States and Ireland. Interesting. I didn't know that. Hard Driving was released in arcades in February of 1989, when driving games were largely implemented with scaled 2D sprites and when filled polygon 3D graphics of any kind were rare in games. That's true. Uh, it is the second commercially released arcade racing game to use 3D polygons, with Namco's winning run being released two months earlier. In total, there are 15 variations on the arcade unit. The 11 cockpit and four compact machines included various British, German, and Japanese versions, which is very interesting because I didn't know that either. Interesting. Okay, gameplay. The gameplay resembles a driving game featuring a car similar in appearance to a Ferrari Testarossa, referred to in the game as an expensive sports car. Um, the screen shows a first-person perspective from inside the car through the windshield. To separate it from other driving titles of that era, stunt loops and other road hazards were added. The game generally consists of one or two laps around the stunt track. In certain modes, if the player scores in the top ten, the player races against the computer-controlled car. Phantom Photon. Oh, I didn't know. That's right, I forgot about that. Wow. Uh, in this race, it was possible to race the wrong way around the course and beat Phantom Photon across the start-finish line. Yeah, of course. There's always a way to game these game these things. Um, the game challenges the players in a daredevil fashion and broke away from traditional racing games like Pole Position. It was also one of the first games to allow for more than three initials on the high scoreboard, which enterprising drivers could use to their advantage to construct sentences during the course of gameplay. <laughs> Interesting. I do remember that, though. Uh, it also features a realistic manual transmission mode, including a clutch pedal and the possibility of stalling the car if one should miss shift, uh, and a force feedback steering wheel uh, in which the driver would have to properly operate the car as they would in real life. Like I said, this game taught me how to drive a stick. <laughs> okay, to continue. A notable feature of the game is the instant replay display that is presented after a crash. That sets hard driving apart from most driving games of its time, which after a crash would just put the player back on the road, stopped, and let them accelerate again. Before resuming play after a crash, hard driving would run up, run an approximately 10 second animation captioned instant replay, which showed a wide aerial view of the movements of the player's car and surrounding vehicles leading up to the crash, with the player's car always centered on the screen. During the replay, the player could not change the action on the screen, but the replay could be aborted immediately to get back to active gameplay. 
The replay would continue for about two to three seconds after the crash, showing a polygon-rendered fireball and the movement of the car, including any spinning, flipping, or bouncing off the struck obstacle. The replays add to the appeal of the game and actually add a motivation to crash in spectacular ways in order to see them played out from the aerial view. Besides collisions, a non-survivable landing after going airborne, even if the car landed right side up, or even going too far off the road could cause a crash, which would be replayed like any other crash, with the car even exploding into the same orange fireball. The game tracks the player's progress around the track by invisible waypoints, denoted by flags on the course map showing the player's progress when the game ends due to time running out. Uh, after a crash, the car is placed back on the track at the last waypoint passed. Uh, this sometimes is a significant distance back from the point of collision. One of the waypoints on each track was the marked checkpoint about halfway around, which when passed granted the player extra time. Hard Drive's approach to collisions or unrealistic events, such as putting the car back on the road at a standstill, was the norm for driving games until later such until later games, such as Cruisin' USA and its successors, introduced intentionally artificial physics to force the car to always stay near the road and land right side up, pointing forward. Hmm, that's interesting. After going off-road, the player has 10 seconds to return to the road, or else he will be stopped and returned to the road. Uh, at a standstill, at the last waypoint passed, just like when a crash occurs, but without an instant replay. Interesting. I didn't know some of these things. Okay. Uh, development. The 3D computer graphics arcade hardware that was eventually used for hard driving began develop in the mid-1980s, several years before the game was released. At the time, Atari Games was owned by Namco, and the two companies began working on a 3D arcade system. After Atari and Namco went separate ways, each company developed their own arcade system in the late 1980s based on the same prototype. Atari used an earlier version of the hardware for hard driving, while Namco developed a more advanced version of the hardware called the Namco System 21, which they used for Winning Run, which was released in 1988. The development of hard driving began in 1988. Atari also originally intended to release the game in, 19, in 1988. However, according to one of Atari's engineers and designers, it was delayed due to the dispute from its vice president claiming, claiming that no one would buy an arcade cabinet for $10,000 after the last Starfighter arcade game was canceled for that very same reason a few years earlier. After re weeks of research, it was decided that $10,000 was an acceptable price point. $10,000, good lord. Oh, just a little aside, of course that's $10,000 in like 1989 money, which is significantly more, but still, $10,000 these days buys you uh, the latest Stern uh, pinball machine uh, with the Pro setup, <laughs> about that much. And if you put in a couple, another couple thousand, you could get a limited edition, but just to, just as a point of reference. In addition to the main CPU, hard driving use, uses two TMS 3401032 bit graphics oriented processors and a digital signal processor. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, the physics, uh, the engine, transmission control, suspension, and tire physics were modeled in, conjun in conjunction with Doug Milliken, who was listed as a test driver in the game credits. 
In the 1950s, his father, William Milliken of Milliken Research, led a team at Cornell Aeronautical Laboratory in Buffalo, New York, that converted aircraft equations of motion to equations of motion for the automobile and became one of the world's leading experts in car modeling. Very interesting. At least they got somebody decent. Because, <laughs> yeah, this... this this game has very realistic uh, feel to it, but let's continue. Um, ports. The contemporary home systems hard driving was ported to had tremendous, tremendously less computing power than the arcade machine. These included the Amstrad CPC, the Mega Drive or Genesis, and the Atari Lynx. The Commodore 64 version was only released as part of the Wheels of Fire compilation. A version for the NES was programmed by Mark Morris, was, but was unreleased. A ROM of the game can be found online, though. Okay. Uh, reception. Atari sold 3,318 hard-driving cabinets. In Japan, Game Machine listed hard-driving on their June 1, 1989 issue as being the second most successful upright cockpit arcade cabinet of the month. It went on to become Japan's sixth highest grossing dedicated arcade game of 1990. On Hong Kong's Bond Deal charts, it topped the dedicated arcade cabinet chart in November of 1989. The Spectrum version of the game rose to number two in the UK sales charts behind Gaza's Superstar Soccer. Zap64 Magazine re regarded the Commodore 64 port as one of the worst Commodore 64 games of all time, criticizing the monochrome graphics, painful slowdown, and the lack of instant replays that were present in other 8-bit conversions. The magazine gave the game 20%, stating that even AAA couldn't save this wreck of a game. <laughs> That's pretty harsh, but I did play this now that I remember, and yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, in Japan, the Mega Drive version received a score of 30 out of 40 from a panel of four reviewers. Uh, let's see. Your Sinclair listed it as the best arcade game of 1989. Computer and Video Games listed it as the fourth best arcade game of 1989. Uh, the Home Computer Ports received the best coin-up conversion prize at the 1989 Golden Joystick Awards. Crash gave it a Crash Smash Award. <laughs> I, w I need to look into that just see exactly what that is. Um, the Games Machine gave it a Star Player Award. And finally, The Legacy. In 2004, Hard Driving was released for the GameCube, PlayStation 2, and Xbox as part of the Midway Arcade Treasures 2 collection. The PC game's stunt driver and stunts borrow many elements from Hard Driving as both games are similar to each other. And that's all the information that is on that game. So, my experiences with it. Um, Spanky's was the first place I saw this game, and it was an environmental cabinet to boot. It took me a very long time to get decent at this game, because I was playing it under the assumption that you had to drive the car as fast as possible to finish either track, and that could not be further from the truth. There are actual real-world elements to this game. Drive too fast around a corner, and you would lose traction and end up in the oncoming lane just in time to get into a head-on collision with a truck, or drive too fast on a ramp in the stunt course, and you would overshoot the landing ramp and crash. I'm proud to say that I actually learned how to drive a stick shift from playing this game, as I said previously, with special thanks to my friend Mark for actually showing me how. Uh, this game was so much fun to play once I learned how, as was its sequel, which we will go over in the next episode. Stay tuned, of course. 
and that is hard driving. Um, I haven't played the game in a long time, so I don't think I could do a time for some strategy justice, but some quick tips. Like I said, just starting the car, you remember you have to uh, put the, you know, basically have to depress the clutch in, you know, before turning the key to start the car. Otherwise, you're not going to go much of anywhere. Um, then you should put the car in gear and then accelerate, uh, check the RPMs. Once they get high enough, press down the clutch pedal, shift to second. You know, you know how. If you know how to drive stick, you can drive this car, drive this game very well. Um, like I said, uh, there are, for some of the turns, there is a suggested speed limit. You can go a little bit above that, but not too far, because like I said, once you're in the turn and you're going too fast, your tires will lose traction, you'll start sliding to the outside lane, and that's when you get into collisions with things in other vehicles. Um pay attention to the speed limit signs for the loops and the jumps because if you don't go around oh through the loop fast enough or you know have the right speed going up the ramp you can you can undercook it and then you crash of course if you go too fast and you can overshoot the landing and on the on the jump you can overshoot the landing on the jump and you'll crash that way too you know so you know, basically, it's just learning how to drive as fast as you can on the edge without, uh, you know, without uh, overdoing it. Because overdoing it gets you in trouble. That's just how it is. We'll cover the sequel, Race Driving, in episode 51, so stay tuned. Okay. Uh, any thoughts, questions? Have you been, have you mastered this game back in, you know, the 80s and 90s? Hey, get a hold of me. I want to know what you know. ArcadeAddictBrian at gmail.com. All right, let's move right on to Arcade Review. Play Barcade, Lincoln Park, Chicago, Illinois. Okay, once again, for sake of brevity, uh, I judge these arcade on five criteria: location, selection, ambiance, functionality, value. One to and each rating is one to ten, with half points coming into play. Um, I don't think at this point I need to go into the specifics of it, but if you need to, listen to some previous episodes where I have arcade reviews because I do go into some detail about them. Um, it's late, and I'm really tired, so I'm trying to get through this as quickly as possible. Okay, so basically I rate them 1 to 10 with half points, add it all up, average it out by 5, and you come up with a total score at the end. Okay. Location, I'll give it a 6.5. Uh, replay Barcade is on North Sheffield Avenue at Wolfram Street on the northeast corner. 
It's a few miles to the northwest of downtown Chicago, but it's easily accessible by train as there is a station two blocks to the south, and Interstate 90 and 94 is two miles to the southwest. Parking is a little rough, but on the night I went, I was able to find a spot on the street close to the entrance, so I was pretty lucky. Selection, I'll give it a 7. Uh, while their website lists 60 games arranged by category, I don't remember several games on that list being there. I was going to rate it higher, but because of that, I have to dock it dock them a little bit for it. They do have a good cross-section of games as advertised, so I think a 7 is fair. Uh, ambiance, I'll give that a 7.5. Uh, I originally was going to give this a rating of 6, but that was before I decided to go back to the second tap room, and I'm very glad that I did so. In the main bar, the ambience was okay, even if I thought they were playing the music a little too loud. Um, and they were, but they were playing uh, pro wrestling and anime on different screens as well, which is good. You know, anything to add to the atmosphere, says I. Uh, the second tap room was Marvel themed from top to bottom, with a room containing a Street Fighter versus X Men machine an X-Men pinball machine, which was out of order, and they also had two uh, TV screens. One was showing the X-Men Saturday morning cartoon from the 90s, and the other was showing the Avengers cartoon from several years ago. There was a guy walking around cosplaying as Thor, and there were two people sitting at the table cosplaying as Loki and female Loki. Uh, there was also a Black Panther statue sitting on his throne, and I couldn't resist walking over and giving the, the Wakandan salute. The tap room was a fantastic touch. Functionality, I'll give it a 6. Uh, the games were okay, though I did notice that the Tron machine wasn't working correctly, and several games were unfortunately out of order, which of course does happen. But I've said ever since I started this run, if you're going to put the games out there, they should be in good repair. You know. But then again, also uh, to on the flip side of that especially in a bar setting people can tend to abuse the games which cause them to break and well a lot of those games are at the very least 20 years old if not 30 or 40 so i get it you know keep maintaining those things is a challenge <laughs> okay value i'll give an eight there wasn't a cover and all the machines were on free play which was pretty damn cool on a saturday night because they could have easily charged for either they have a food menu, which is Marvel-themed as well, and orders are delivered from a restaurant next door. So, yes, this is a place for those who are looking for a night out on a budget. The prices are fairly reasonable, and the menu was actually kind of pretty varied. So, you know, I give them points for that. And you add all that up, and you average it out by 5, and you come up with a total score of 7. While I like the overall vibe of the Loki Arcade better, this place is right in lockstep with it. Um, it was fairly busy on the Saturday night I went there, lots of people around, some enjoying themselves, others looking bored. And if it wasn't so late, I would have stayed longer, but by this time I was starting to wear down, so it was time for me to get back to my hotel room. Uh, the Marvel-themed tap room was a winner with me, and despite my quibble about some of the advertised games not being there, it's not a play bad place to go. So that's my review of Replay Barcade. Um, you live in the Chicago area, you listen to the show, and you feel differently about it to the positive or negative, hey, hit me up, arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com. And finally, we're going to go on the road. 
Uh, this was recorded on Monday when I was driving through Chicago on my way home. I think I went fairly in-depth about my overall thoughts about the weekend in general and the places I went in particular. So let's find out what I actually said because it's been a while since I've actually heard it. So let's find out together and I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Take care. Brian here and this is my final on the road for my Chicago trip. I'm just now pulling out of my hotel that I was staying at and I'll be on the road going home for the next four hours plus. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the parking is a little harsh, you know, but it is what it is. I mean, where I was staying was near O'Hare Airport, so all the parking, of course, was going to be charged, so it is what it is. Okay, so... And my overall feelings on the trip, it was a decent time. I enjoyed myself for sure. I enjoyed myself more at some places than others. That's for definite sure. <laughs> As you've probably, if you've been listening to all of my uh, uh, on the road segments, I mean, I've done it for each day in each place I went to, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun, you know, I enjoyed myself, you know, it's, it was good to just sort of get out of, you know, get out and get away from home for a little bit, although, you know, my son really didn't like the fact that I was gone for so long, I mean, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'll take him on trips, but this is something I had to do for me. I'm not saying this to justify it. I'm just explaining it. You know, basically, I, you know, like I've said throughout the, this podcast, I've worked four jobs. Um, and until literally this weekend, I was working seven days in a row. You know, I've got my main gig, I've got my two side hustles, and also I work Saturday nights at the Arcade in Brighton. So, now, these are all part-time positions, but still. <laughs> you know, it's still... You know, that's still seven days in a row, where, you know, you just kind of got to get into work mode. So, yeah. And I've been doing this for quite some time. 
and because I'd been doing it for some time, you know, I was a little burned out. So yeah, I mean, this was the genesis of it. I mean, aside from the fact I've always wanted to come out here, you know, because I wanted to, you know, hang, you know, hang with Jack Danger at his pinball spot, I think with the pandemic and a couple of other things going on, you know, that didn't come about. And, you know, uh, also before I left, you know, I was trying to get, you know, Doc Mack and get an invitation, no, not an invitation, get an interview with him, but that didn't come about either. And, you know, that's a disappointing thing. You know, both things are disappointing because, you know, I like Jack a lot. And I mean, I've been following him since he started his streaming thing on Twitch and, you know, I've been a steadfast um, supporter of his, you know, no matter what he was doing, you know, and, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not exactly happy that we couldn't get, I couldn't get it to, you know, we couldn't get it together or, you know, I couldn't get a hold of him. You know, but like I said, such things happen. Um, so yeah, I just decided that, yeah, I was going to come out here to the Chicago area and check out all the arcades, or at least most of them. You know, I've always said this city is arcade central because it's got more arcades, uh, than anybody pretty much. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, so it, it only made sense for me to come out here, you know, and also I had the money, you know, I don't have to worry about shorting bills and doing a bunch of, uh, trickeration, if you will, you know, in order to make sure the bills are paid. So, you know, no time like the present, right? So, you know, so on this Friday past, you know, I kissed my son goodbye and, you know, and his mother, and I got in the car, you know, got in a rental car and I drove out here. And that was, um, that was Friday. Now it took me a long time as you've, as I'm sure you've heard, as, as I've told you, it took me a long, long time for me to get out of Ann Arbor. The traffic was absolutely horrendous. I've never seen traffic that bad for a holiday weekend. I mean, I've talked, I talked about it in uh, my first on the road segment or yeah, the first one I recorded, you know, I was like, I couldn't believe how bad the traffic was. And speaking of traffic, we're now jammed up on Interstate 90 going through uh, downtown Chicago, heading towards, uh, you know, heading towards uh, Interstate 94 so I can, you know, start the run back home. But either way, um, 
so you know so friday was okay but it took me what i left what what time did i leave like what 1 o'clock and i didn't get in until well after eight probably 8 30 and by the time i got in i was really 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 tired so basically i just went out and got something to eat and came back to the hotel and went to sleep and that was my friday uh there was a place i wanted to check out on friday but i couldn't because i just didn't have the energy <laughs> yeah you know i'm an old man or i'm getting up there anyway and yeah being able to have the energy to do these things is not as easy as it once was so yeah so that was friday saturday let's see i went to let's see yeah i went to galloping ghost first of course i mean i had plans on staying there all day i ended up staying there about what five hours i think and you know I'm, you know, I have to be honest about it. It kind, you know, the trip to Galloping Ghost let me down a little bit, not a lot, but a little. You know, I mean, I understand that the majority of arcade machines that they have are, at the very least, thirty years old. You know, maybe twenty-five years old, but some of them are thirty years old plus. The majority of them, and some of them are pushing 40 and some of them are over the 40 year mark now. I understand that. But I mean, the number of machines that were down and the number of machines that didn't work correctly was a little disappointing, you know? And I was, you know, I mean, I had, I enjoyed myself. I had a good time, you know, it was pretty cool. But yeah, it let me down just a little bit. Just a little. Not a lot, but a little. Um, and of course, I'll go into more details uh, when you hear um, arcade reviews. Um, so from there, um, let's see. I went there. You know, I went to, yeah, I went there and then. Um, where else did I go? Oh my god, I can't even remember where I went. No, that's right. I went to Galloping Ghost, and then I came back to my hotel, and I took a nap. Then I got up, went and had dinner, and then I got on Interstate 90, and I headed, you know, into the downtown area. I mean, just like east or west of downtown, as a matter of fact. I went to... Um, I went to Logan Arcade. That was a really good experience. That was a cool place with a cool vibe. You know, I went to Emporium, which was, you know, I think I picked the wrong day to go there because it was a Saturday night and basically they turned it into a dance club. <laughs> you know, you know I, I don't think it's just me being old, but the music was just a little too loud. I kind of wish they t turned it down like 10 decibels it would have still gotten everybody you know moving and shaking but you know wouldn't have blown people's eardrums out you know you know namely mine 
<laughs> so then there was that. So I stayed there for maybe about half hour, 45 minutes. And then I left and then I went to um, a replay. Yeah, I went to uh, the replay. And that was sort of like in the middle. The music was loud, you know, a little too loud as far as I'm concerned. They should have dropped that about 10 decibels. And, you know, it was, you know, but it was like, it was like, it, like I said, in, in my, you know, in my rundown of the place, it was like in the middle, in between uh, Logan Arcade and the Emporium. I mean, you know, the vibe was pretty cool. You know, I liked it. And I just, you know, went there, played some games, you know, sort of walked around a little bit. But, you know, their ambiance was pretty high because they had a uh, one area where in the back where it was another bar, but it, everything was Marvel themed to the point where they had like Marvel versus Capcom 2 in there and a Marvel, or excuse me, X-Men versus Street Fighter in there and an X-Men machine in there. And they were playing um, the um, Avengers uh, cartoon, the modern day one. And then they were playing the old X-Men cartoon from the early nineties, you know, on monitors in there. So that was cool. You know, I give them, I definitely give them props for that. And that was my Saturday night. I mean, I stayed out until, what, 1.32 in the morning. And then I came home and just, you know, lay, it just went, it just basically chilled out and went to sleep. And that was Saturday. Sunday, I got up, you know, and got out about, you know, got out about 12 o'clock. And I just basically went through, you know, I had three more stops to make. Um, I went to the uh, Chicago game space, which was a little disappointing, you know, well, to be completely honest, quite disappointing. It was a, it was a lot different. It was a lot different than what the advertisements were. And because of that, I was just like, eh, you know, I wasn't very happy with that place. So paid my money, went in there, hung out for about maybe 30 minutes and left, you know. Uh, then from there, I went uh, downtown to the Emporium, which was, um, you know, uh, in the uh, Fulton Market. I should have gone to the, the other one. You know, but it, it was just more of the same. It's just, you know, a big, huge bar with some arcade games and a couple of pool tables. You know, it wasn't anything special. So after I got done with that, um, I was really tired for some... I, I, I don't think I slept very well at the night before because I'm on my way out of downtown and I find myself fading pretty hard. So I just went, I just basically came back to my hotel and took a nap. After I did that, I got up and 
then I made the trick the trek out to um uh underground retrocade in uh West Dundee and boy was I glad I did it. That that's that basically salvaged the Sunday. You know, because that place was awesome. You know, and you'll hear about it. I mean, I've already put a uh, a video on Instagram about it because I was really, really impressed with that place. I mean, it's a small place, but at the same time, you know, despite the fact that it's a small place, it was really, it was really cool. You know, it had some games on that, I, that, I mean, they only had like one or two games that Galloping Ghost didn't have, but one, those one or two were pretty impressive. You know, the, you know, in fact, they have a, uh, environmental sit-down, um, Monaco GP, which I have never seen, I haven't seen a working Monaco GP game since about 1980, which is now 41 years ago, you know, and I've never seen an actual sit-down environmental, uh, Monaco GP. I mean, that is just, that's just all kinds of awesome, really is, and, you know, and just that alone, and then they had an Atari football, which I haven't seen since, like, 1984 or 1985, and an Atari baseball, which I haven't seen since literally uh, it came out in the late 70s, I think, like, 77 is when it came out. So, you know, and, you know, I did that. I played those games. Now, to their credit, and I didn't mention this, and I'll probably mention this when I do a, a full rundown of the place. Um, they had, not only did they have a Dragon's Lair, but they had Dragon's Lair, and to the immediate left, you know, against, you know, uh, ta- you know basically fastened against the wall, they had the walkthrough for it. I was like, you know what? That is damn cool. That is pretty damn cool. You know, not only do they have the game and they had the, the monitor above it, but they also had the walkthrough. I think I'm going to have to steal that idea from, from them and post that on the, uh, and, you know, put that up at, you know, at the arcade. You know, that's just something that I'm really, that was really, really cool. You know, that was an awesome idea. And I'm just, I'm glad that they did that. That was pretty, pretty awesome. Now I'm driving through Chicago and I'm seeing the Chicago skyline. And I got to take a picture of it, you know, sort of to document my trip here. But I mean, this was, this was a good trip. This was awesome. I mean, I may do this again next year. You know, it all depends on how finances are, of course. That's the major uh, factor. It all depends on how, what finances are doing and, you know, just 
you know, and see how things are with my son and things like that. But yeah, I may come back here in a year's time. You know, you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, I'm pretty, you know, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of these places did not have their best foot forward because of it. And when, despite all that, it was still pretty cool. You know, it was still pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, you know, it was a, it was a good trip overall. You know, yeah, there were some things that sort of let me down, but at the same time, it's like, it is what it is. You know, I mean, I'm willing to give, give a pass for a lot of it. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm just of the opinion that, yeah, I mean, in the case of Galloping Ghosts, they need to, they need to seriously get on the stick as far as machine maintenance goes. You know, aside from that, that's the only complaint I really have about the place, that just too many machines were down, you know? I mean, there were some games there that I want, that, that I saw and I was just like, let's put it this way. They have an environmental Omega race at Galloping Ghost and I didn't play it <laughs> because that game, I mean, if I had to rate the top 10 games that give me the most agita, give me the most aggravation, Omega Race will probably be top three because it was just, oh God, that game. But I saw it and I was like, maybe I should play it. And I'm just like, nah, I'm not going to play it. <laughs> uh, I know it's really silly of me, but you know, what do you want from me? <laughs> you know, that game, it, you know, I tried really hard to get good at that game and it just didn't, it just didn't, uh, take, you know, I got passable at it, but considering that I was going up against a bunch of regulars at Trumbull Mall Arcade when I was a kid and Omega Race is, oh goodness, what year did that Omega Race come out? I think it was 82 when Omega Race came out. So I was what, 13? So yeah, I mean, ugh. <laughs> you know, it just, it's just one of those games that just bothers, bothered me because it was just so cheap, you know, but either way. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a good trip overall and I'm glad that I did it and I'm hoping I can do it again in about a year's time, about this time next year. I think that will be, I think that's the perfect time to do it. You know, Labor Day, you know, uh, summer's pretty much done. School's back in session. This is the last holiday weekend for quite a while until late November. And by that time, the weather would have changed dramatically, especially in this town. And yeah, so, you know, this, this is the perfect time to do this. So I'm going to see about, 
getting uh, getting things together and you know planning out the trip for next year. Because yeah, I really want to do that. Now I have to pick. I won't say the hotel is at was bad, but I mean. I'm going to have to pick a hotel that does not freaking that does not freaking charge for uh, parking. That's for sure. Wow, I just see a I see a girl panhandling on the entrance ramp to the highway. That's pretty brave of her. I mean, geez, it's yeah. I mean, it's like noontime, early afternoon traffic going through Chicago. But yeah, that still takes that still takes some uh, huevos to do that. <laughs> you know, props to her. If I if I could have stopped, I'd have given her something just for the fact that she was so brave. But either way, um, so yeah, that's my plan for next year. I think next year I'm gonna do the same thing. I just need to pick a better hotel. You know, one that doesn't charge for parking because that was an extra fifty dollars I wasn't expecting to spend. You know, and of course, you know, they tell you as you're checking out, it's like, you do realize that, you know, it's $18 a day for parking. It's like, no, I didn't realize, kind of realized it. I realize it now. And it's not like I'm going to argue with you. Just charge it to my card. And I'm just going to have to take the hit. So it is what it is. So anyway, um, Traffic's starting to pick up, thankfully, and I'm going to see about getting something to eat here in the next half hour or so. <clears throat> I should have stopped and gotten something to eat when I left, but no, I, I need to get on the road. I needed to get on the road. Not only that, you know, my... Uh, my son is like taking his mother's phone and texting me, you know, nonstop, you know, in his way, asking me when I'm coming home. And I be, and I keep telling him I'm coming home on Monday. Don't worry. I'll be here. So now, so now I'm going to sign off. And we'll, and of course, you know, you'll, they'll get more, you'll, there'll be more, uh, on the road segments for sure. Because yeah, you know, I like doing this podcast and apparently there are people who like, like me doing this podcast. So, I mean, as long as you guys keep listening and, you know, of course I'm, grateful for the support from Benjamin and Kevin and you know also also this just think about this the support that Ben and Kevin has been have been giving me over the, the last several months that went straight to that went straight to um this trip more or less the I let the funds build in my um, in my uh, anchor account and yes if you want to donate to the show um, you can go to um, go to my page 
which is anchor.fm slash C-O-A-A, which will take you right to the podcast page. And there is a way you can donate to the show. And that donation now, I mean, before it basically put food in my stomach while I was working, that's what it would do uh, first. But now, oh, another picture of the skyline. Um, but now, now that I'm able to, you know, I'm in a position where I can pay my bills, pay them pretty handily and not have to worry and not have to worry about, you know, uh, every dollar that's coming in or going out of my uh, bank account. Um, that money goes towards uh, arcade runs and arcade trips. Now that I have like one day off a week, you know, now I can go on arcade runs, you know, which is something I've been wanting to do. Um, there are places in Detroit that I'm going to revisit and check out. You know, I'm going to go back to Pop Pizza slash um, Off World Arcade. I'm going back there for sure. Um, and then um, there's the new Barcade that's in Detroit. And then there's another place which the name keeps escaping me. But I've already follow, I'm already following them on uh, Facebook and Instagram because the place looks gorgeous. It's really awesome. So I'm really looking forward to uh, I'm really looking forward to um, going to these places and checking them out, and of course giving uh, rundowns and reviews as always. So anyway. All right, I'm gonna put the hammer down and get some miles uh, under my belt before I stop to get some lunch. So I'm gonna call it here. Until next time, this is Brian saying, have fun out there, good gaming, au revoir. This has been the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. All music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. You can contact the show by email at arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at 734-743-2433. Until next time, you have been listening to the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. See you then.